2: Hello and welcome to the Circling the Bases podcast from NBC Sports Edge. This is our weekly MLB Power Rankings show where we break down my weekly MLB Power Rankings column that goes up on NBC Sports Edge every Tuesday. We're recording this late Monday night, uh, just to add some context for listeners as we make our various notes and observations. I'm Drew Silva. Joining me here and every week throughout the regular season is Janice Scurrio. Welcome in, Janice. I start every show by asking you what you're looking forward to around the baseball world. In the coming week, these divisional and wildcard races are, are getting really real at this point in the season. Uh, but, but what you got for me?
3: Absolutely. So uh, the thing that I'm looking forward to this week is a little more topical. So I'm looking forward to the Field of Dreams game uh, in Dyersville, Iowa this week. Uh, That is on Thursday. Uh, So the New York Yankees are going to take on the Chicago White Sox. Uh, Carlos Rodon was named the starter for the White Sox. Uh, very well deserved. He's having a pretty marvelous season, uh, so really great to kind of see him on the national platform. Uh, so in his last start against the Cubs, he struck out 11 over five scoreless innings. So that was a shutout. Uh, the White Sox won that game. Uh, the Yankees have yet to name a starter. Uh, some inter- interesting facts about that game. So uh, it is the most expensive regular season ticket on record. Hmm. Uh, so uh, from what I see on TickPick.com, uh, the average purchase price is $1,413. <laughs> Yikes. Uh, plus, the,
2: plus the Airbnb in, in Iowa. Yeah,
3: plus the Airbnb in Iowa. Uh, also, too, apparently Guy Fieri uh, released a, a hot dog apple pie uh, for this game as well which uh, I, I typically trust Guy, but here I'm going to have to uh, uh, respectfully turn this one down.
2: Yeah, I'm, I'm a Guy Fieri defender too, but uh, <laughs> I don't know about that one. I'm, I think I'm good.
3: But uh, culturally, uh, this will be a great game uh, for fans to watch. Nice, cool, uh, historic event to take in. Uh, but anyway, it should be a fun matchup all around.
2: The first ever MLB game in the state of Iowa. It was supposed to be Cardinals, White Sox last year, I think, and that, that game got postponed with the pandemic. I think I was kind of planning on going there. I mean, but then kind of the world changed. Um, my stepdad and little brother actually just rode across the state of Iowa on their bikes, not motorbikes, but like actual bicycles. It's something called Ragbri. I guess they've done it for like 25 years. This was both of their first time doing it. But yeah, you you ride like 80 miles a day. I got the invite, but I was like, I don't, I don't think NBC is going to let me get out of writing about baseball and talking about baseball and podcasts to go ride my bike across Iowa. But (laughs) sounded like a good time, kind of like there were like bars at every stop, but I don't know if I'd want to really be drinking and and having to get up early and Get on my bike for another eighty miles.
3: Doesn't sound like a good time. Hmm, write a book for eighty miles or spend fourteen hundred dollars on a baseball ticket. See, like, like Weighing the options here.
0: <laughs> I might pass on both. Um
2: Before we continue, here's a special offer for our listeners before we get into the rankings. Use promo code BASES10 for 10% off any premium subscription for NBC Sports Edge+. Plus. It can be either monthly or annual and for any tier. Not only do you get access to the baseball season tools, but your subscription also covers NBA, NHL, and NFL content. And I think the NFL guys have an even better promo running right now if you listen to uh, a good football show, their podcast that they do. It's a great show. So that's a great value. You can... Can help you if you play just baseball down the stretch here or if you if you're getting prepared for the nfl season and then the nhl and nba seasons to come so remember promo code base is 10 go to nbcsportsedge.com premium to get started all right let's get to the rankings we'll touch on all the teams in the top five and then discuss the three biggest risers and three biggest fallers from last week to this week like we usually do uh, if you want rankings and individual observations on all 30 teams, look for the column every Tuesday at NBC Sports Edge. Usually goes up late morning, early afternoon. All right, the top five.
3: You've got a little bit of movement going on here. Uh, We have one team uh, that I'm very happy to uh, make a reappearance in the top five, but we'll get to that in a little bit. Uh, But at number one, holding strong for what feels like forever now, the San Francisco Giants. So they took two out of three from the Brewers over the weekend. Uh, Brandon Belt is absolutely mashing right now. Four of his five hits since returning from the injured list last week have been home runs. He's hit safely in 12 straight games. And that is apparently a new career high for him.
2: Yeah. I mean, the Giants, they've won seven of their last nine games overall against the Astros, Diamondbacks, and you mentioned the Brewers series. Uh, the first team to reach 70 wins this year, now currently sitting 30 games above 500. Chris Bryant seems really energized by the move from north side of Chicago to San Francisco. Already a great player, obviously, but he's batting 323 through his first 34 plate appearances with the Giants, 10 hits, a homer. Homer in his debut, uh, three doubles, five runs scored through eight games. Kevin Gosman we talk about pretty much every week, but how about Logan Webb? He's got a 1.72 ERA, 49 strikeouts over his last nine starts covering 47 innings. Webb has a 4-0 record in those nine games. The Giants are 8-1 in those nine games that he has started. So a young right-hander there in Logan Webb who's really rounding into his own at age 24. The offense, uh, the lineup is pretty much fully healthy now for the Giants or very close to it. You mentioned Brandon Belt returned and has been mashing, picking up right where he left off or even increasing on what he had done before his injury. Evan Longoria began a minor league rehab start or uh, assignment last Thursday at AAA Sacramento. He should be activated sometime later this week. You, you gotta say the Giants are for real at this point as we push into mid-August, you just you gotta say it. I, I've lost count how long they've been at the top of my rankings. I guess I could go back and look if I was a professional. I, I think it's 11 consecutive weeks. It might be 12, um, something like that. But uh, once I put them up there, they just haven't budged. They've had the best record in baseball that entire time, which is crazy.
3: Yeah, they've held strong and rightfully so at number two climbing up one spot are the tampa bay rays so the rays are eight and two in their last ten uh, interestingly enough they've outscored their opponents 41 to eight in the seventh inning or later in 10 road games since the all-star break overall they have a 33 and 23 road record uh, but otherwise another fantastically strong team
2: yeah, winners of four straight heading into tuesday night's series opener against the red sox at fenway park which is obviously now a massively important three-game series with with the Rays staring down a real opportunity to create some distance for themselves at the top of the American League East standings. They're four games up on Boston right now as we record here on Monday night. I think both of those teams were off on Monday. Tyler Glass now is officially done for the remainder of the 2021 season and probably all of 2022 as well after undergoing Tommy John surgery officially last week. But the Rays keep getting it done with shane mcclanahan and luis patino and josh fleming and, and a bullpen that has more pitchers on the il than on the active roster but somehow still comes through um and you mentioned the the late timely hitting they've they've gotten we've, we've seen this story before you know nelson cruz we love that trade as non Rays like as it was and, and he's popped four home runs with 10 rbis through his first 13 games for tampa bay collected five of those 10 rbis on friday at baltimore two more rbis on saturday so it just raised magic, you know, here we go again. I, I feel like they're somehow going to make a deep postseason run, even though you look at that rotation and there's not really an ace in there. I guess McClanahan is moving in that direction and Patino could be that kind of guy eventually. But leaning on some young arms there, but still getting the job done.
3: At number three, the Houston Astros. Uh, So the Astros absolutely love their homers. They currently have the biggest run differential in the American League. They've also hit 32 homers in their last 18 games. Uh, So, oh my goodness, that that offense.
2: (laughs) Yeah, they lost three of four to the Twins over the weekend, which is kind of, kind of makes you say yikes, two and six over their last eight games. But there's a really easy road ahead here for the Astros, just looking at their schedule and assuming that win series was an, uh, an anomaly Houston plays two games against the Rockies beginning on Tuesday then three at the Angels four at the Royals three against the Mariners then it's more Royals than Rangers then more Mariners um, their lead on first place in the AL West has shrunk down to two games with the A's catching fire but there shouldn't be all that much friction down the stretch as, as Houston aims to win that division I know the rotation has been a little iffy lately but it's good enough and the offense should get rolling again here soon. You mentioned the homers against some bad pitching. You could see how they're going to go on a nice run here to close out the regular season that comes with that lighter schedule that I just lifted off. But yeah, one spot drop for the Astros this week, now at number three with with the Rays just seeming a little more worthy of the number two spot for now.
3: At number four, holding steady at the Los Angeles Dodgers. So newsworthy in Dodger land uh, this week, uh, Max Scherzer uh, made his debut. So he allowed two runs on five hits and one walk with 10 strikeouts over seven innings against the Astros on Wednesday. Uh, The Dodgers uh, won that game, kind of like what you mentioned before. He's definitely making a strong impression in his first start uh, with his new team. Uh, He also struck out Jose Altuve three times as well.
2: Yeah. And then that got the crowd going at Dodger Stadium. That was a fun series to watch. Yeah. It took two of three from the Angels over the weekend and including an 8-2 victory on Sunday that saw Albert Pools had a two-run bomb against the team that cut him back in May. Pools has been a nice pickup for the Dodgers. I think even better than anyone could have expected. A 780 OPS, which doesn't make you go crazy, but given his age and whatnot, pretty impressive. Nine homers, 32 RBIs in 55 games since signing with Los Angeles or like the non-Anaheim-based Los Angeles team. Anyway, uh, you mentioned the Scherzer debut. It was his first double-digit strikeout game since May 30th. He'll make his second start in a Dodgers uniform in Tuesday night series opener against the Phillies, and that has turned into a very important series for both the NL West and NL East races. Um, and the wild card, too. Trey Turner also debuted on Friday after recovering from COVID, and he stole his 22nd base of the year on Saturday and hit a double and scored two runs on Sunday. Um, but, yeah, looking forward to Scherzer versus Aaron Nola on Tuesday in the opening of that series between the Dodgers and Phillies. Should be a good one. Uh, we'll talk about the Phillies actually here in a little bit. They've, they've made a move in these rankings, and you could probably guess which direction. <laughs>
3: Yes, indeed. All right. Making a reappearance in your top five are the Chicago White Sox. So over the weekend, they were able to sweep the Cubs. Aloy Jimenez's return has been very well needed. He hit two home runs versus the Cubs in Sunday's game. Jimenez historically has hit very well at Wrigley Field. He also homered twice tonight against the Twins. Very exciting to see. Uh, But in 34 plate appearances over nine games since he's been back in the lineup. uh, He has not played a game this season uh, before uh, returning. He injured himself during spring training. Uh, But yeah, he's got uh, three home runs, four doubles, nine RBI, and four runs scored.
2: Yeah. And became the first player in White Sox history on Monday with two homers and five plus RBIs in consecutive games, which I thought was a crazy stat. You'd think someone had done that in the past.
3: It sounds pretty pedestrian, but apparently no, Eloy's is the first. Yeah. I mean, I,
2: I guess it is random to be able to, to, to do that in consecutive games. You need a little bit of luck, but I'm just surprised the White Sox have been around for so long. I'm surprised it hasn't happened. He's the third White Sox player with 10 RBIs over a two-game span since RBIs became an official stat in 1920. The other two are Jim Tomei in, in 2009, Robin Ventura in 1995. So pretty good company. Uh, in that franchise list. Luis Robert is back uh, after he missed more than three months with a grade three strain of his right hip flexor. He went, what, two for five with like a double and a run scored on Monday night, I believe?
3: Uh, yeah. Mm-hmm.
2: Something like that. And Monty Grandal appears to be making some progress too. He was running the bases at Wrigley before the game's there. So the roster is is near full health now, and it has all the components, you know, for a deep postseason run, a five-man effective starting rotation a bullpen filled with high leverage arms the lineup coming together Cesar Hernandez has been a heck of a trade deadline addition 10 hits through his first nine games two homers he was at six walks I think he he drew two more on Monday night getting on base so far at a better clip than Hernandez did over the first four months of the season in Cleveland he's always been a good OBP guy then suddenly added a lot of power this year already has a career high in homers here in August, the the White Sox are really good. And and there's no threat in the AL Central. They're the only team in the division with a record above 500. Also the only team in that division with a positive run differential. So they'll have the ability to find their key players, their pitchers and hitters, extra rest down the stretch to ensure that everybody's firing on all cylinders going into the playoffs. I I know you don't want to like take your foot off the gas pedal too much, but it's, it's nice, especially in coming off the shortened 2020 season, to you know, extend the rest between starts, rest for some of their pitchers at least, and make sure that Eloy gets some time off, and and Robert, you know, isn't rushed back into an everyday role, so that you don't have a risk of him re-injuring that hip. I'd be excited, Janice. This this team might even be my World Series favorite right now i think they're at seven to one last time i checked they were like third in on the odds sheet but i don't know i mean i, I know the mlb playoffs can be a crap shoot and you can lose a especially those five game and you know, ds division series re- very easily but they've got all the pieces they're, they're the most stacked team i feel like
3: no arguments with you there <laughs>
2: right. i'm glad we're in agreement
3: <laughs> let's move on to your biggest risers of the week uh so at number six Uh, Last week, they were at number seven of the Milwaukee Brewers. So the game versus the Cubs tonight was postponed. Uh, we've got plenty of thunderstorms uh, here in the Chicagoland area, but they will play a split doubleheader uh, on Tuesday. But as for the Brewers, they are first in the NL Central, uh, currently with a five-game lead over the Reds. Uh, they've just got a handful of dudes uh, that hit very well. Uh, so Omar Omar Narvaez, Rowdy Telez, Willie Adamas. I feel as if this team is the rough equivalent of uh, the National League White Sox, uh, just both. There's, there's really not really a strong contender in that division but otherwise you could make a pretty good argument that yeah this whole the lineup is very stacked the pitching rotation is very strong Uh, bullpen I don't know but otherwise uh, some some pretty uh, strong parallels there
2: yeah, I would take the White Sox lineup over the Brewers, but you're right. Adamas and Telez have been really creative additions. The Brewers lost the final two games of their three-game weekend series against the Giants, like we mentioned before. But they've just been a, been due for a bump up these rankings. And with the Red Sox falling off, and we'll get that to that in a bit, it has allowed me to lift Milwaukee up here into the top six And the story pretty much remains the same with this team. If they can keep Brandon Woodruff and Corbin Burns and Freddie Peralta all healthy over what remains of the regular season, they're going to be a very dangerous postseason challenger. Uh, Brett Anderson deserves some love, too. A 1.40 ERA in his last five starts, covering 25 and two-third innings. Veteran lefty getting it done. Josh Hader could return from the COVID IL around the middle of this week, assuming he's not showing symptoms and able to submit a couple of negative tests. He's been out since August 2nd. They've got the pitching. um, And like I mentioned, have made some creative offensive upgrades that lead actually went to five and a half on first place in the the NL central because the Reds lost to Cleveland on Monday night. It has shrunk a bit. It was, it was larger than that. And the Reds have, have been making a charge, but still a very comfortable, margin for the brewers here in early to mid-august and again if those three pitchers stay healthy i don't see how they don't take down the nl central as we push into october
3: all right, moving on to number 13. We promised we would talk to you about the Philadelphia Phillies, uh, yet here we are. So uh, they swept the Mets over the weekend. Uh, the NL East is very contentious. There's definitely some really strange things going on over there. Yeah, How about those Phillies?
2: Yeah, eight straight wins uh, versus the Pirates Nationals, and then that weekend sweep of the Mets. A, a big NL East theme in this week's biggest risers and fallers. We'll get to the other teams that have made significant moves in my rankings listeners can probably guess and Bryce Harper man it, it's flown under the radar a bit maybe not so much now that the Phillies have climbed into first place in that division he's getting more attention but Harper's batting 302 413 on base 570 slug so that's a 983 OPS with 20 home runs 45 RBIs 12 stolen bases and 65 runs scored in 91 games played this season and if Philly does win the National East I mean that'll only pad Harper's resume to, to possibly win the NL MVP you know, I'm assuming that that, that kind of assumes that Fernando Tatis Jr. doesn't come back and pick up where he left off, which we'll see. He does seem to be making progress, but that would be Harper's second career MVP award. He also won in 2015 with the Nationals. We got to give Kyle Gibson some credit, too, and and the Phillies some credit for acquiring Gibson. Mm -hmm. That trade sort of got shoulder shrugs on Twitter, like, whatever, this is probably going to fail. He was pitching above his head this year in Texas. But Gibson has gone at least six innings in each of his first two starts with Philadelphia, that length is, has just been badly needed. And he earned wins at each of those two outings. ERA for the year is at 2.79. It was at 2.87 when he left the Rangers on July 30th. So he's been even better in some ways. A lot of contenders or you know, would-be or want-to-be contenders might be kicking themselves for not trying harder to acquire Gibson in a trade market that was very light on effective starting pitching
0: help.
1: Reese's peanut butter cups are the greatest, but let me play devil's advocate here. Let's see. So, no, that's a good thing. Uh, <laughs> that's definitely not a problem. Uh, Reese's, you did it. You stumped this charming devil. What do eight bags of concrete mix, a cooler full of 30 pound sea bass, and a 10 inch compound miter saw have in common?
3: Let's go to your final biggest riser of the week. Another NL East team. Big surprise. The Atlanta Braves climbing up four spots, actually. Uh, So one big move uh, that has helped the Braves is the acquisition of Adam Duvall. Uh, So he had a two-run homer on Sunday, uh, kind of uh, contributing to the Braves' win over the Nationals. Uh, So he's homered twice in nine games played since he was acquired from the Marlins at the trade deadline. And now they're in second place in a very, very crazy tumultuous Like I mentioned before, NL East.
2: Yeah, yeah. The Braves swept a three-game series in St. Louis to begin last week's slate, and then took two of three from the Nationals at home over the weekend. Finally, over the 500 mark for the first time this season, got there on Thursday. Uh, with that win over the Cardinals. I talked about Bryce Harper emerging as as possibly the favorite for NL MVP with Tatis still sidelined, but Freddie Freeman could be carving out a case too, which is really amazing considering where Freeman's numbers were, even as recently as the middle of June or like even late June. But over his last 53 games, 227 plate appearances, Freeman is slashing 371, 445, 579. With 11 home runs, 31 RBIs, and 43 runs scored. Again, that's a span of 53 games. He's been incredible. That's that's huge for Freeman personally as he moves toward free agency this winter, assuming the Braves don't extend him before he does. But it's also huge for the Braves, obviously, as they try to make a, a late run at the NL East, possibly a wild card spot. They're currently... Two games back of the Phillies for first place in that division. I think you mentioned that. Six and a half games back of the Padres for the second NL wildcard. Obviously winning the division would be the easier path at this point. You could say the same for any NL East team. Yeah, props to the Braves for doing some creative buying at the trade deadline. Reshaping the outfield in the absence of Ronald Acuna Jr. You mentioned Duvall. I knew that would be a good pickup. Also got some bullpen help and Richard Rodriguez, and they've kind of been using him as like a fireman to, to put out fires and, you know, or like sixth, even like the fifth inning, I think he, he entered a game in the fifth inning. And they, they've needed a guy that can do that, even more importantly than they needed a closer.
3: Those are your biggest risers of the week. Let's go ahead and move towards the biggest fallers of the week. So at number seven, the Boston Red Sox have fallen two spots from number five. They dropped uh, the first two of a four-game series uh, with the Blue Jays. They wrapped up their 10-game road trip with eight losses. So yikes. Uh, so they've definitely been one of the, of the teams with a better road record. Uh, their road record is 32-27. and 27, But they've also lost six of their last 17 games on the road. Mm. Um, service level, this seems bad, but should Red Sox fans be worried?
2: Yeah, I mean, at, at risk of sounding like a jerk and antagonizing any Red Sox fans who listen to this show on a weekly basis, like, I, I told you so, kind of. Um, this has felt like a flawed team all year on the all-important pitching side of the equation, and when the offense slumps at all like it has a bit more lately, you get this, just two wins, nine losses over their last 11 games to fall four games back of the Rays in the American League East. This is a Red Sox team that has spent 85 days in first place this year, but now they've sort of fallen into that crowded AL wildcard hunt, having to contend there with the A's and Yankees and Blue Jays. Probably not the Mariners in the end, but they are still alive too. They will get Chris Sale back this weekend against the Orioles. Uh, Looks like Saturday will be his 2021 Debut. It's been almost exactly two years since Sale last pitched in a major league game, August 13th, 2019. He required Tommy Dunn surgery the following spring. Sale should provide a big boost to a rotation that badly needs it. A 1.35 ERA, 35 to 5 strikeout to walk ratio in five minor league rehab starts. That was 20 innings, showing good velocity too. Um, Will his presence be enough though? You know, pitching every five days, there's not a lot of time. For, for the Red Sox to, to close the gap on the Rays in the East. Um, maybe they can hang on and get, and get the wild card. But I should also mention that trade deadline acquisition Kyle Schwarber suffered a setback in his recovery from the severe hamstring strain that sent him to the IL back in early July when he was still a member of the Nationals and on a historic home run streak. Schwarber's now dealing with groin tightness, could delay him a couple more weeks. So, yeah, I, I think some panic here is definitely – warranted if, if i'm a red sox fan it, it's been a great season it would be kind of crushing if if they don't actually make the playoffs and it's easy to see how they might not
3: right Panic might be the theme of this last portion of the podcast. And your next biggest faller, number 15, the New York Mets, whom I believe are now third place in the NL East. They were in first place for a good chunk of uh, the past month or so, but currently on a two-game losing, a four-game losing streak. Uh, they are one game above 500 as of Monday afternoon, and they're barely hanging on. Is this rock bottom? A uh, Plenty of my Mets fans' friends were freaking out but uh, rightfully so uh, now that I'm like looking at the numbers a little more closely. Uh, So do you think their panic is warranted?
2: Well, nobody knows how to panic like a New York baseball fan. (laughs) It goes for the Yankees and the Mets. If you only followed those teams on Twitter, you'd think they, they were having like a diamondbacks type season. Um, but yeah, you mentioned the four game losing streak as we chat here on Monday, just one in seven so far in August, two and nine over their last 11 games. I say every week that my view on where the Mets should be in these rankings has a ton to do with the health of Jacob deGrom. And right now he's not healthy. Um, still in shutdown mode with lingering inflammation around the forearm and elbow and his pitching arm. So it's going to be at least early September before deGrom is ready to return. And at that point, will it be too late, you know, for his final four or five starts, if he even gets to four or five, you know, to lift the Mets back up to where they need to be in that divisional hunt. Like I said, with the Braves, it's doubtful. The wild card is going to be an option for any of these National League East teams. It's more likely just going to be two nls clubs or like possibly the reds it might be like a different story like i'd have a different view on the mets if they had some sort of you know juggernaut offense to deal with the pitching problems and and not having to grom around but they currently rank 24th in combined team ops at 693 26th in team home run total 29th in total runs scored ahead of only the pirates like yikes that's all that's all i gotta say yikes
3: Uh, Speaking of yikes, your last biggest faller Uh, at number 22, the Chicago Cubs. Uh, So they were swept by the White Sox over the weekend. And uh, you can tell uh, that without their core group of players, it's definitely not the same feel as it was before. Currently on a four game or four game losing streak. They didn't play today. Uh, They are two and eight in their last 10. Yikes. So uh, (laughs) what hope do the Cubs have left, if any?
2: We're just going to label this show. Yikes. <laughs> um, I mean, no, it's kind of a shame that it's come to this. The Cubs are now behind the Tigers and Rockies in my rankings. And I think at one point this year, the Cubs might've cracked my top 10 or maybe it was top 12 when they had a nice run in May, they went 19 and eight that month. Uh, but then came the 11 game losing streak that stretched from late June's, early July trade deadline fire sale that followed that Rizzo Baez, Brian, all gone Kimbrel too. And, some other key bullpen parts, to Para Chafin. You look at the lineup now, it almost feels like a, a split squad spring training team they're rolling out there on a nightly basis. Wilson Contreras is still there, and Ian Happ, and Jason Hayward too, but Rafael Ortega leading off, Greg Dykeman, Frank Schwindel, Sergio Alcantara all get, getting starts on a regular basis. I mean, there's probably an argument to be made that if you're going to rebuild, you should do it aggressively really lean into the tanking operation, get rid of anyone who's expensive or is going to be expensive and just stack the farm system. If I'm a Cubs fan, I'd rather them operate more like, the Yankees, Dodgers, Red Sox, those are the only teams more valuable than the Cubs and, and Forbes' most recent franchise valuations worth an estimated three point four billion dollars. So yeah, again, I think it's I think it's a shame. And it, it's safe to say I think that it's going to be a few years before the Cubs are competitive again, and a few years might be a more optimistic phrase than the reality of it with so many of their prospects being on the younger side. But hey, Chicagoans can jump on the White Sox. Wagon, right, if if that's a thing you're allowed to do up there, I...
3: it is a thing you are not allowed to do.
2: Uh, <laughs> I do have one cousin who's like a, a real Chicago OG, like grew up in the city, not the suburbs, and he roots for both. So if he can do it, shout out to Chris. But I get the I get the vibe that's not really a thing.
3: I'm definitely kidding. I, I, I'm definitely more so of a fandom is for everybody. Gatekeeping shouldn't be a thing. So yeah, if, if someone wants to cheer for the White Sox, I'm all for it.
2: I, I was on 670 the score on Sunday, like before their Sunday night baseball game talking about the rivalry or like uh, they asked me from an outsider's perspective, like what do, what do I think of the Cubs White Sox rivalry? And I guess I thought it was more friendly than it is, but I I know it kind of divides the city North and South. And um, there might be like some demographics implications that go along with that. But I don't know, compared to, I, I guess they just haven't really been super competitive at the same time. Since interleague play started, maybe, and I don't know. It seems friendly to me, but I'm getting, I'm getting vibes that you disagree.
3: Yeah, actually, I agree. Uh, it's gotten a lot better, I think, within the past couple of years, and that's because uh, usually when both teams are competitive at the same time, that's when tensions kind of arise. Yeah. Uh, but otherwise, yeah, it, it's fun. It, it, it's it's fun for the city. I, I can give my Cubs fan friends a little bit of a gentle razzing. But
2: right. Ch- Ch- Chicago in the summer yeah. is gorgeous. You might as well be in a good mood.
3: Exactly. You know, because
2: no other- winter's coming. <laughs>
3: <laughs> no other place I'd rather be.
2: Yeah, yeah right uh for now um but november rolls around and
3: yeah yeah yeah. i'm gonna quietly book a flight to la when november rolls around
2: (laughs) all right we'll end there uh that'll do it for this week's power rankings show thanks for tuning in check out the power rankings column goes up every tuesday on nbc sports edge rankings observations on all 30 teams rate and review the circling the bases podcast give us five stars if you're if you're feeling generous Follow us on Twitter, I'm at DrewSylve, Janice is at Scuriosa, and peace out.
3: Peace out.